Man, what is up to everybody out there? It's Chris with a K, Chris Griffin, one half of the Horns Down podcast. Put them down, put them down. As Nino would say, they're always up, but over here, they're always down. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have quite a bit of news that has happened uh, in this week, previous weeks, or whatnot. So, I thought, what better way to kind of just recap the week and just recap some of the things that we've heard by starting up a little series called Five Point Takeaways. Basically, five points that um, that I want to make. Excuse me, let me back up real quick. Let me back up. Let me back up. Call that Five Point Fridays, okay? Basically, I just want to do a little video, brief video, maybe some long videos, collab with some people, get some people on here basically just kind of recap the week and just let you guys know exactly what's going down. Just kind of give you five big takeaways from those things that are going on. So uh, without with no further ado, let's go ahead and let's jump right into it. So we got realignment, realignment in, <laughs> realignment in uh, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. I mean, all over college football, you're seeing this. Uh, a few weeks ago, you saw that teams in the American Athletic Conference, uh, I believe, you know, Houston's, the Cincinnati's, those teams like that, they're already jumping ship. I believe 2024, they'll be in the Big 12. So somebody fact check me on that. But now, but now, oh my gosh, USC and UCLA seemingly came out of nowhere and took a page out of OU and Texas book to basically jump ship from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Now, geographically speaking, it really makes no sense at all. You know, I've heard uh, people on Twitter spaces, I've seen it on some of the memes out there, but I mean, just really think about it. Logistically speaking, you have a Saturday game, you know, you have a game in, in, in at Northwestern, and then you have the following week, you have a game um, at Rutgers. You get what I'm saying? It's almost like they're going to be traveling as much as the as NBA players where they're making East Coast and West Coast trips, right? So it's a lot to ask. Then on top of that, I mean, you're asking, you know, players <laughs> who are from the Sunshine States, I mean, the real Sunshine States where it, you know, rarely rains, right? You're asking them to go and play in zero-degree weather, below-zero-degree weather, and play in snow. It's kind of crazy if you think about it, but at the same time, I mean, it's a cool move, but it's kind of just a where the hell did this come from? So I know that a lot of people are saying that USC and UCLA, this just happened. No, this this can't just be a, 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 a this just can't be something that happened overnight. This had to be something that happened over time. I mean, I think one of the more interesting facts that nobody's talking about for is the simple fact that you had the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the, uh, the ACC basically come together and say, hey, no, we're going to do this. We're going to basically keep our conferences alive. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do all the rest of this stuff to pretty much combat what the SEC was or is becoming. So now it just seems like the SEC and the Big Ten are in a race to the first super conference, the first 20-team super conference. So it's pretty interesting, I mean, if you think about it, you know. So I see some people coming in now and say what's up, say what's up if you want to. But anyways, basically, um, with this whole USC and UCLA move, it is a game changer. I mean, I think some of the questions you have to ask 
are one does this expedite the move from uh for texas and uh ou to go to the sec almost immediately in 2023 or at least in 20 uh 2024 you know uh, does this uh, mean that you're going to have the cows, the Oregon's uh, teams like that who want to go as well to the Big 12, you know, because they're going to follow suit. I mean, not the Big 12, but to the uh, Big 10. Are they going to follow suit and are they going to go? Um, like I said, it's definitely an interesting thing, an interesting thought to think about. I guess my big takeaway from it is just a simple fact that this changes the college landscape almost pretty much dramatically because you're going to have UCLA, USC, most likely you're going to have Oregon, uh, Washington, uh, maybe Cal, Oregon State, the Colorados of the world. They're going to follow suit and they're going to go play in the Big Ten. That is a game changer because the Big Ten already has, I think, 12, 14 teams or so. And so if they add six Pac-12 teams, that gives them the right to say that they're the first conference to have 20 teams right and so now you're looking at the pac 12 and you're looking at the sec because i mean let's just be real the sec is probably going to reach out and just put out feelers to uh clemson to uh florida state possibly georgia tech um Hell, you know, why Why wouldn't they go and try to grab like a South Florida or somebody? But keep that in mind because we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, um, you know, one of the real interesting pieces, I think a chess piece is Notre Dame. Where does Notre Dame fit in in all of this chaos that's happening with the realignment of college football in these conferences, right? So let's dive deep into one aspect. You know, I'm a Sooner fan, so I got to. I Got to kind of take a jab whenever I can. Let's talk about Tebow. Excuse me. Let's talk about Lincoln Riley. As Nico, as Nino would say, call a man by his name. So let's talk about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley has to be upset. Lincoln Riley has to be pretty irate, you know, because everybody's saying that he ran from the SEC that OU is going to, right, to go to a USC where he would still have a similar or an easier path. Let's just be honest. Now, he has to go out there and battle the Ohio States, the gaudy Michigans, the on the rise, on the uprise, right? Michigan States, um, Wisconsin's whenever they're good, but you know, Lincoln has a history of having teams that play against subpar competition. They play against subpar competition, they play down to that level, right? So if you're Lincoln, you kind of gotta be pissed, you kind of gotta be irate. We know that he's gonna come out and say, Oh, I'm not really worried. I played in this weather. They're football players. They're ready. They're this and that. We know that. But in the back of his mind, he has to be thinking, man, this was supposed to be a lot easier than what, than what, than what this has turned into, right? I think um, one of the more interesting points is just the fact that this may put a little bit of pressure on Lincoln Riley. The reason why I say it puts a little bit of pressure on Lincoln Riley is simply because he was supposed to go there and basically rip off seven, six, seven, eight straight, pretty much like he did at OU as far as conference championships, make a few playoffs, right? The road just got tougher. So in my opinion, it puts a lot of pressure on him to go out there and win this year, especially win this year and win the next year. 
I mean, that's what it's all, that's what it all boils down to, right? Wins. Now let's go over here and dive uh, deep into US, UCLA. UCLA showed a pulse last year. No, they showed a heartbeat. They showed a real heartbeat. And they had a really good year for what is for, for the Chip Kelly era that has been pretty much, I mean, let's just say it's been disappointing, right? So I think that it's interesting with them because you know the type of football that they're playing now, honestly, in my mind, it kind of resembles that of a, a Big Ten school or a Big Ten style of ball. Now, here's the thing about UCLA, okay? I don't think that UCLA is well-equipped to go uh, to the SEC, I mean, not to the SEC, but to the Big Ten. My reasons for that is simply because, one, they're going to lose their quarterback, and we've seen that Chip has had trouble with quarterbacks while being at UCLA. Um, two, they're going to lose their running backs. Now, I know recruiting is going to be great, but let's just be honest, which let's just be honest about the situation, people. How many top classes has UCLA had in the past 10 years? I'll wait. Okay, so <laughs> exactly what I thought. So my whole thing is this right here. The rich don't get richer, but, you know, I, I mean, the rich do get richer in this sense, but at the same time, I don't know if it's a great move for UCLA. In my opinion, UCLA UCLA and USC have one thing in common. They're going to be able to recruit Cali kids and be able to recruit West Coast kids and get kids from, uh, from the islands as well to come and play for them. We already know that that's fine. But if you're USC and UCLA, do you become Nebraska? where Nebraska basically went to the Big Ten and they are kind of stranded on the island. They kind of lost their pipeline states, you know. They had a right when they were in the Big 12 to go down to Texas and say, hey, you know, we, we this and that, blah, 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 yada, 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 all those kids from that area. They don't really have that, that the ground to say that anymore, right? But at, on the flip side of that, I know an argument will be a lot of kids are going to go, going to want to go and play at uh, a UCLA and a USC because one, it's fun; two, it's Los Angeles; three, um, at the same time, they they get to play in the sun, right? So, I mean, there's going to be six, seven games out of the year where you're playing in the sun; and you're not having to deal with inclement weather, right? So, I mean, for the most part, if you can make it out of September. October, possibly early November, but as you go down, the, as you keep going into the month of November, which, you know, hopefully Lincoln's not using a whole championship November there at uh, USC as uh, too, but as you keep go, uh, you know, go deeper into the month of November, you just got to think. It's going to be pretty cold outside, right? So we just see, it, it's, it's food for thought at this point. But it's definitely interesting to see them jump boat and go. Now, back to a point I mentioned earlier, I think it is interesting. Uh, uh, I think it's an interesting thought, you know, that's been put out. Does this expedite the move for Texas and OU to go to the Big 12? I mean, go to the SEC. I'm not really sure what the answer to that is simply because there's a lot more money at stake, I believe, simply because I don't necessarily know if the buyout deals for – that's something that hasn't been mentioned about UCLA 
for USC. I don't know what the, the buyout deals. I don't know what the buyout numbers are. I mean, I'd like to see what it was for the teams like Houston, Cincinnati's that I mentioned. I'd like to see what uh, what the buyout numbers were for them. But I don't necessarily know the number. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, stays the same, and it goes up and it goes down again as far as the numbers that you're talking about for OU in, in Texas. So you're wanting each school, you know, Texas say they have, have all the money. And then Texas always, Texas fans laugh about, oh, well, we're giving OU a stimulus package. Well, my whole thing is this right here is that if that was the case, then I think OU and Texas would both be in the SEC right now. But that's just my opinion, right? But um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece to talk about. And it's definitely food for thought. It's just something to really kind of, you know, just kind of wait and see because I'm sure that the SEC wants to make a move now and go ahead and get their plans that they've had all along, uh, you know, on the road and, and have it going. Um, let's talk about the Big 12. What does the Big 12 do? So I was talking to my uncle today, and I thought he brought up a great point about uh, the Big 12. This is point number two, guys. So basically – the Big 12 is getting a a uh, a new, a fresh uh, Big 12 commission, right? That commissioner has got to come here. He's got to get active. Got to get active right off the bat. Here is uh, here are a few teams that I have on on the short list. You got to go get South Florida. You got to possibly look at Louisville as well. Maybe even go over there and try to get a Georgia Tech. But you got to go and get a South Florida teams like that. Maybe uh, you you flirt with the idea of bringing in a law tech, right? Got to go and try to poach some of the West Coast schools as well. Arizona, Arizona State, uh, schools like that. Maybe even, I mean, you know, not trying to bag up, but also stay here. What's going to happen with Stanford? We all know that Stanford is, <laughs> I mean, if Stanford was going to leave and go to a conference, the perfect conference for them is the Big Ten. But also, there's a thought out there that a lot of these schools would like to go to a Big 12 conference or a conference like that where you would say, yeah, it's tier two. But with the future expansion of the college football playoffs, you're going to be able to dominate that conference. However, you know, Uncle talk all the time. And like, and like he says, money talks and bullshit walks, right? So the reason why I say that is simply because these TV deals that these that these uh, institutions are getting, I mean, you're getting a hundred million dollars shelled out to your university, and at the end of the day, we all know that they want all the money they can have, research money, any type of money they can have, they want that money. So we know that's what they're going to do. But if you're a Big Twelve, you have to, you know, I, I'm just going to be honest with you: getting Cincinnati, getting Houston. Um, BYU, those are great moves, but it's not enough. You're not done yet. You got to keep this conference alive. You already have pretty much the, the team in your conference here. As much as I hate to give them credit, as much as I hate to say anything about that team uh, up north, I guess, as you could, as you would call them, um, you got to look at look down there at what Gundy's doing and say, hey, look, still – OSU is going to be here, and they're going to be a staple in this conference if they don't try to, uh, you know, go to the 
SEC or find their, find their way to the Big Ten, which they've been wanting to do for quite some time ever since this talk of OU in Texas uh, going to the SEC ha has came about. And, I mean, I'm not talking about last summer or like a year or two years ago. I'm talking about like way back in the day. OSU was always flirting with the idea of trying to go to the uh, to the Big Ten. However, there are certain academic standards or whatnot that I don't necessarily think that they meet. I mean, not saying that OSU is a bad school. I'm just saying that the Big Ten has, for some odd reason, they have standards that Kansas meets, right? <laughs> but anyways, back to the point. Guys, I'm just here to say, look, the Big 12 has to make some moves. You kind of got to get hungry. A Louisville would be perfect. A lot tech would be great because you basically where what you need to do if you're the Big 12, you need to help your schools by going and getting other schools. That way you can lay pipelines to those states, to those rich, talented states. Louisiana, going and getting another Florida school. You got UCF, go get South Florida, go get a Louisville. You get to go into those places, SEC country, and you get to go and try to nab some of those kids. And on the flip side, Go to an Arizona. We've already seen a lot of talented kids are coming out of Arizona. Mark Andrews, Landry Jones, Spencer Rattler. I mean, the list goes on. There are a lot of there's a lot of talent in, in Arizona. I mean, look at Christian Kirk, who went to AM. Come on, man. Like these kids, there's a lot of talent down there in Arizona, and you can go get those teams that you're the Big 12. A lot of people are gonna want Arizona. A lot of people are gonna want Arizona State basketball, all the things like that that they bring. They bring a lot of stuff to your school. Um, I think one school that, you know, like I said, Notre Dame. And I think that's point three. Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, a, is the chess piece in all of this. That is the chess piece. Everybody else is out there just playing checkers, all the rest of that, right? But, but Notre Dame. Notre Dame, it, Notre Dame is a chess piece. What is Notre Dame going to do? Does anybody know what Notre Dame is going to do? No. Notre Dame has the right to uh, remain independent, but at the same time, in this new current NIL realignment type atmosphere or era that we're in in college football, you would think that they would align themselves with one of the conferences. And I can say this now. I think that in the end, and at the end, of, excuse me, at the end of the day, I think that you see the ACC pretty much dissolve. And the ACC itself is a strong conference. Don't get me wrong, but it's a, well, <laughs> I say strong, but what I mean is the ACC is a it's a good conference. I mean, it's it's if there is a top heavy conference, that definitely is a top heavy conference. But I definitely, I definitely believe that you see the ACC and the Pac-12 basically do the same thing, which is dissolve. Because, like I said before, I think that you see the SEC put out fillers to a Florida State, to a Clemson, to a uh, Miami. I think those three teams for sure would love to get that SEC money, and I think they would like to be in the SEC. You're smack dab in the middle there. There's no reason not to be, right? But – I see my friend Sean Stapleton. Shout out to him. He's saying Notre Dame is going to remain where they are. Here, here is so. Here are my thoughts about that. I don't know. 
because I think that the TV de- the TV deals for Notre Dame because Notre Dame plays such a unique schedule. It's not like it was back in the eighties, right? It's not like it was back in the nineties. It's not where people are only having three, six, and twelve as channels and they're using antennas and all the rest of that stuff now. Nobody's really watching NBC like that unless you're on the West Coast to watch the Warriors, right? <laughs> so. My whole thing is this right here is that I think that they've already pretty much aligned themselves how they played in that conference. I mean, due to, for re, for reasons due to COVID. However, I think that when you look at a Notre Dame, I think it would be beneficial for them to either. I mean, they're a big. They they have Big Ten standards, right? But the SEC money and the SEC appeal that Notre Dame could have be out this world. So I definitely think that that is a team to look out for and that's a team to watch because, like I said, everybody else playing checkers, they get to play chess. They're the chess piece, right? Okay, so let's see. Where are we going now? I think our fourth point is going to be about OU recruiting. Let's Yeah, let's talk about that. So, you know, shout out to my boy Texas Homer. Shout out to, you know, some some of my Texas guys, right? It's still horns down over here. However, you know, I know a lot of outsiders are talking about OU's approach, Venable's approach to recruiting these days, right? So I've heard that it's archaic, it's old school, it's not the way to do it. This era of football, you can't do that, yada, 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 this and that. The more that we, every day that goes by, I feel more confident and I feel more comfortable with that approach, uh, with the approach of of, of BV simply because he's giving these kids a fair shot. I don't know if if maybe some of you guys out there missed uh, Brandon Jones and and, and I think it was Parker Thune's um, uh, Twitter space last night. And, and they had uh, Jackson Arnold, who's, who poured up out there at the Elite, uh, Elite 11 camp, who's our five-star, who we're really excited about. Um, he was on there. And one of the things he says, I think OU fans just need to be patient simply because July is going to be a big month for us. You just got to wait for July. There's He's talking about five kids. He didn't name any names. He just said, I know about five kids who would like to commit. I mean, it's out there. It's basically public record. There are tons of kids who want to commit right now. However, BV is telling them, hey, go and take all of your visits, right? So, I mean, it's just one of those things where I know for me, I'm just being as patient as possible. I'm used to the fireworks, right? And I say that simply because (laughs) you think about Caleb Williams, right, with his whole firework spectacle and all the rest of this stuff. But Lincoln had kids coming in and in and in and in and in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So it was one of those things where you always had recruits on campus and you were just excited because you know. And on top of that, you know that we were where Texas is now in recruiting, right? As far as our 23 class, our 23 class was going to be one of the greatest classes that ever came to OU and was going to help us usher in this new era of football or this new conference style of football that we were going to go to, which is the SEC, right? But I think that, let's see what my boy Sean said. We can't keep losing out on elite talent, though, because uh, recruiting rankings do matter. Recruiting rankings do matter except for this right here. So 
My boy Ty, shout out to Around the Table Sports, but Ty Hayes always says recruiting stars matter. It's great and all, but at the same time, it's not always the most important factor. If you look at some of OU's past classes, you would say, yeah, they were 11. Yeah, they were eight or whatever the case may be. But if you look at the composite scores for each of those kids, they actually rank higher than some of the other classes. It's just the fact that those those teams and those classes, they took on so many damn kids. I mean, think about Texas this year. We have to see what Texas is going to be like and what these freshmen are going to be like, simply because they took on so many. So here's here's the thing. Lincoln stopped taking so many kids. He was holding on to at least six or seven scholarships, right? And I think one of the interesting points to, to point out about that was that he was holding those scholarships for basically transfer portal, just in case he saw something in there that he wanted to try to go and get, which you know, he wants to put up guardrails and everything, but that's not the here nor there. But basically, Lincoln was bringing in 16, maybe 15, 16, 17 kids that he really wanted and he really liked. And the whole thing is, is that, I mean, it's the simplest thing, quality over quantity, right? So Texas can have all those great recruiting classes, but when you're bringing in your recruiting class, and maybe it's smaller. Maybe you don't have as many five stars or high four stars or whatever the case may be, but you're developing these kids to play into these four and five star players. And you're kicking their ass consistently where they're winning. Maybe they're, they're beating you maybe once every three years. I mean, hey, proof is in the pudding, man. But at the same time, I'd say that, you know, that's a good point, Sean. I, th- I definitely think that's a good point. One of the things I would say, um, Cole Adams, got to talk about that. You know, we lost out on him, kid from uh, from Tulsa, uh, I think Owasso. Um, basically, the wide receiver went to Alabama. Hey, wish the kid all the luck in the world. However, I am just not confident enough to say that that kid's not going to flip. Seems like OU is his dream school or OU is a school that he really wanted to go to, but they offered him like. And so that kind of goes back to the recruiting approach. One of the things that people have to be patient about and have to understand is the fact that these coaches are taking their time to introduce, reintroduce, establish, and reestablish these relationships with these kids that they've been recruiting all along. So Todd Bates has that clout. He has enough clout to walk out there and to say, and to say, hey, look, same coach, same pedigree, different university, different jersey. Ain't nothing changed except for that. All I know is this right here. You come here, I'm going to develop you the same way I developed him, 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 and him, who are all playing high level at a high level at the collegiate level and also, guess what, playing in the NFL too. So he has that clout, right? Venables has the same clout. It's just one of those things where this is the year that a lot of eyes are going to be on OU, especially all eyes are always on OU and Texas in the Big 12 because they're the cream of the crop in the Big 12. However, this year is going to be a lot different simply because of what happened this past year with Lincoln Riley, right? 
So that's something to think about too. And yeah, no, I definitely agree. If we can get pet away, it's, it's all good. I think a question that I would ask all you guys, and you guys can let me know, hey, real quick, like, subscribe, follow us on uh, at the Horns Down Pod on Twitter. Definitely like, subscribe, and follow. But question that I, I would ask you guys, do you think that it's a huge loss as far as the Adams kid goes? So, like I said, let's keep it moving right there. All right, so our last point of today, let's talk a little bit of Texas, right? Got to talk about Texas. It's the Horns Down podcast, so we got to talk about it, all right? <laughs> so, Recruiting-wise, man, here, I'll just be honest with you. I'm an OU fan, right? I say horns down, all the rest of that. Hey, great class. But it's nothing that we have not seen before from Texas. Texas always, 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 for some odd reason, finds themselves in the top in the top 10 uh, <laughs> recruiting classes. But it's Texas. Texas has a... As I put it, basically like this right here from my boy Nick and Steven. Shout out to Nino's Corner and my boy Steven over there from that perspective. The SEC is getting a winning brand and they're getting a big brand, right? They're getting a, 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 a just a big brand, getting a money brand in Texas. They're getting a winning brand in OU. Everybody makes fun of Texas. Everybody does. But we all know Texas has money. But not only that, Texas has the facilities. Um, it's a job that a lot of people would like. However, what comes with that, as much as these Texas fans want to say, oh, that's not the case. It is the case. You have a lot. <laughs> you have a lot of involvement in your facility inside of those facilities with your boosters, with um, other personnel. I mean, think about it. Texas has like what, 40, 50 ADs? I mean, let's just be real. I know that number. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but let's just be real. I mean, literally, let's just be real about the situation. Texas is trying to run themselves like Alabama, but they're not Alabama. They have Alabama coaches, but they're not Alabama. But I will say this right here. Skill-wise, I like what they have in the skill room. It's still a lot of unproven talent. Ajay Hall, Billingsby, we got to see if their heads are on straight or are they just basically trying to find another place or another route uh, where, you know, obviously they want to go to the league, but are they just, are they just there or are they, is this meaningful to them? Right. Is this second chance meaningful? Right. Um, also with Texas, you know, like I said, skill wise, they're fine, but you're still looking at the trenches and you're saying you're relying heavily on freshman offensive linemen. Cause it's a lot of what is freshman offensive linemen is it Queen Ewers going to be all world or are you going to have to stay with Hudson Carter? You guys going to be flip-flopping uh, like you did with Casey and Hudson last year? Um, can we just stay healthy? I mean, it's a lot of questions. But the point of it all is, is this right here. Look, before I digress, any further. point of it all is this right here. Great recruiting class. But it doesn't help you this year, right? It doesn't help you at all. You got to go improve it on the field. You can't go four, five, and seven again. You can offer kids all the money in the world with uh, with the NIL deals. But when everybody else is starting up their own collectives, I mean, even Michigan State is starting up their own collective. 
when these other teams are starting up their own collectives and their ways to get these kids this NIL money and everything, it's going to even the playing field. Texas A&M, if they go eight and five, which Jimbo is a notorious eight and five coach, they go eight and five, Sark goes five and seven again, OU goes 11 and, 11 and two, 10 and three, what at the worst, right? With a bowl game on top of that, right? As, as far as getting a t- that 10th win, but you're saying I can get paid right now in the short term, but does it really matter in the grand scheme of things if I'm going to a place where they're not going to develop me and I'm going to continue to lose? And, you know, we're going to be in that, we're going to be, in, we're going to be the, the headlines, but for all the wrong reasons. But at the same time, like I said, it's nothing to take away from the class. They have a great class. I mean, they're they're getting talent at all those positions. Positions, but I mean, and I think this is a great point too. I mean, Texas, <laughs> they still haven't landed any good D linemen, and I think that's something that a lot of defensive linemen are are are, are waiting to see. What is PK going to be like? Will PK even still be there after this year? That's a lot of pressure. You know, Spencer Riley said pressure is a privilege. That's all fine and dandy, but damn, you wouldn't got one of the top football minds as far as just defensively speaking in uh, as, as an analyst. And now that guy is looking over your shoulder. You're the head. You're, you're the defensive, you're defensive coordinator. That's a lot to put on PK. Because the question is still the question still is, is is was that actually PK up there or was that Jimmy Lake? Right? So I mean, yeah, I mean they they're not they still haven't landed any good defensive linemen, but they're gonna get these kids simply because of pretty much the final point with all of this is Arch Manning, right? There are a lot of mixed reviews about Arch Manning, and I think that his unwillingness or his his i don't know what it is i I mean i get it he's a manning all the rest of that however you would think that the top qbs want to compete you know the quarterback position that person can be great on camera and could be a loving fun person on camera but we all know quarterback the quarterback position is all about confidence man it's it's all about confidence you can have the biggest arm in the room, but we've seen that plenty of times. If you don't have the confidence, it just, it's just not there. But basically, it's it's just one of those. Basically, what I'm saying is that they're they're borderline cocky, right? If not all the way all the way conceded. But basically, it's just kind of alarming to me that he's not competing at the elite eleven. He's not even throwing at his own uncle's camp, right? The man, the Manning Academy. He's not even doing that. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know what to say about Arch because, you know, you hear the Georgia hate, and I think they may have loved him if he would have been there. Uh, Excuse me. But you hear it on good record from a lot of people, a lot of people inside uh, the OU camp or whatnot, that regardless if you take away his name or not, the way he's performed against competition in Louisiana at the school he's at in the same uh, class, it's not that it's underwhelming. It's just, <clears throat> excuse me. It's not. It's not at the caliber that you would you would think it would be for the number one overall recruit who's a five star, right? 
it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's not there. However, time will tell. But I just think it's funny that we are sitting here and yet again having to listen to Texas fans talk about we have Quinn, we have Arch. But they don't talk about the third thing, which is they have two quarterbacks who have never taken a college snap but are God's greatest gift to earth. Right? So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know really what to make of it. But I would say, look, it's a great pickup. I've been here before. Okay? I've been here before. Spencer Rattler. Caleb Williams, those type of kids. I get it, Texas fans. All I would say is you got to pump the brakes because at the end of the day, you guys had Chris Sims. You had Vince Young. Vince Young gave you a championship, but at the same time, he went through his growing pains too. And you guys are putting a lot of pressure, a lot of admiration, which is rightfully so. You're putting a lot of pressure on freshmen. Freshman quarterbacks, freshman offensive linemen, freshman defensive linemen, freshmen at skill positions. Uh, uh, a guy like Jatavian Sanders, who everybody thinks is, oh, he's going to be the next biggest thing. He came back motivated. He should. But you're putting a lot of pressure on these kids, and you still haven't shored up your defensive line, your DB room, or your offensive line. You guys have the same problem that USC is going to have this year. You're not big. You're not physical in the trenches. That's just my opinion, though. Let's see what y'all y'all saying out here. I think that that's what happened with Rattler. Too much pressure on him. I mean, look, that's a valid point. I mean, that's the valid. I don't necessarily know if it was too much pressure on him or if it was Lincoln. Honestly, simply because. Lincoln's play calling just last year. I mean, let's just be honest. I, I'll be honest with you. Lincoln is, is if he's not the greatest at, in this era right now, I think in these last six, seven years, he's one of the greatest play callers ever in the game. However, this last year was just unacceptable. That that was terrible. And, I mean, it was just so damn inconsistent. It was so damn inconsistent but i mean my whole thing with rattler is i i, I think I, I i will say this right here i'm not gonna say he's gonna win the heisman like i did last year but i think he's gonna turn some heads out there i, I think that um south carolina and him you know yes he's popped off a little bit but i think that they've done a great job pr wise as far as basically putting him back in the light of the kid's talented. The kid has more talent than, than most kids in the nation. I mean, he's right up there, to be honest with you, with the Bryce Young and all of them. However, he's got to put it together this year. Got to put it together this year. Let's see. Weston Sloan said, that's why I think OU will exceed the expectation. No one thinks OU will be there. Yeah, you know. Here's the thing about OU. There's two things in the summer that you know for sure. This kind of helps you figure out what what type of team uh, you're going to get from OU. One is everybody patting them on the back. Because if everybody's patting OU on the back, you already know some dumb crap is about to happen, right? And second, you know that if somebody is the offseason, oh, my God, player of the, uh, <laughs> player of the summer, 
you know that player is probably not going to play that much. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, it happens every year for OU. But when OU's when OU comes in there pissed off, hungry, ready to um, exceed expectations, I mean, hey, man, I'm all about it because those are great OU teams, and those are some of the more memorable teams. Let's see. Sean says his scheme was figured out. He's talking about Lincoln, y'all. His scheme was figured out, and I think that's why he left, honestly, outside of money. I mean, the tape was out there. Let's just be honest. I mean, we talk about it all the time. When you ran the zone scheme, it helped everybody out. I'll say I said it once. I've said it twice. I'll say it another hundred times. If you want to see the real OU team, uh, of uh, of this past season, go back, watch the Kansas State game. That was OU. They decided to do the uh, zone the zone scheme as far as the, the the running game. They were able to they were successful with that. That opened up the pass game. Spencer was able to hit guys on time and on the dime. It was a highly contested game. K State. You know they're going to throw everything at us. That's what they basically did. They came out there against every other team. Kept it super vanilla. But against OU, they basically threw everything except for their uh, their jockstrap at OU. So, you know, it's one of those things where I've said that before. I mean, Lincoln may be his own worst enemy out there. He's always going to have talent. We get that. We know that. Skill position-wise, he's always going to have talent. However, the problem is, is, is he going to, when he's on the goal line, is he going to run the ball every damn time? Is he going to pass every damn time? If it's fourth and one, is he going to be running triple reverses? Is he going to be running jet sweeps? You get what I'm saying here, people? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just really questionable. Go back to the Kansas game, the play that won us the game. Caleb Williams, what a lot of people call illegal, right? You're looking at Lee and like, what the hell are we running? You know? So, I mean, I, I definitely think Sean has a great point with that. I mean, his scheme, it just, to me, he's his own worst enemy. He, he cannot be stubborn and run that because teams like uh, teams like Oregon are going to call up Baylor, call up Dave Miranda. And they're going to say, hey, let me get your feel because they don't play Lincoln off of the plays that he runs. It's a difference between what I'm about to say. They don't they don't play him just off of the plays and the personnel. They play him off of tendencies. That's my opinion. Let's see. Oh, agreed. Oh, you ain't done well with high. Yeah, we haven't done well with high expectations. <laughs> Going undefeated and headed to the. College football playoff. Let's see. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, this is kind of where I end the video here, but I, I definitely think that OU will be in the Big 12 championship conversation. I think they'll definitely win it too. I mean, OU's the most, in my opinion, OU's going to be the most talented team. I think that um, contrary to belief, there is a lot of talent on this team. And I think that the coaching staff here was definitely pleased uh with, with what they saw it's just the fact that there's a huge learning curve for a lot of these players right but guys pretty much that's the that's it for me like i said five point fridays five points we talked about it like subscribe share man follow us at the horns down pod you see my name on there chris with a k follow me got a lot of content i'm gonna be doing this for sure 
if anybody wants to jump on here with me, hey, shoot me, uh, just shoot me a DM or something like that. Let me know. We'll be doing this show. Like I said, like, subscribe, and follow. Uh, definitely do that and just shout us out and just let us know what you guys are thinking and give us some feedback. Other than that, I'm out. Everybody stay blessed.